welcome to the first episode of the Wildlife Fur Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dallas Ingram, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what is conservation. I think we'll start with um, a definition of what conservation is. Um, sure. We hear a lot of people throw around that word a lot, and I don't think they really mean what it is. <laughs> or don't know what it means, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a line in a movie about that. That's right. I don't think that means what you think it means. Yes. So, but if you look it up, uh, there's several definitions you can find online. One is the protection, management, or restoration of natural environments and the ecological communities that inhabit them, including the management of human use of natural resources. So that's a pretty broad definition, covers a lot of different things. Yeah, and you know, you can you can just throw it in any search engine, and you see some <clears throat> pretty interesting uh, definitions pop up. And, you know, a lot of it is open to interpretation, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. But some of them that I like is the prevention of a wasteful use of a resource, uh, per- preservation, protection, or restoration of a natural environment and of wildlife. But I think the key ones are really, you know, studying the loss. So if you look at what the study of conservation is, which is really where we're more involved in using that to do what we do every day. And the ones I like um, say that's protect the environment through responsible use yep. of natural resources or protect nature from use. To me, it's more of a preservationist type mindset, um, but the responsible use is the one I like the best. Uh, that's a true conservation. Is making sure things that are able to um, exist in the future for, for everyone to use. Yes. What, what do you think? Uh, and so we, we decided to talk about this um, because it's an important part of our careers and what we do. What, is, what are your thoughts on the importance of conservation? Well, so, you know, I feel like as humans, we should be taking care of what we've been given. And having two little boys, you know, I just hope that the work that we do on a daily basis can leave something better for them and that they'll, they don't need to become a biologist. Hopefully they'll find other <laughs> more lucrative <laughs> ways to live their life. But, um, you know, I hope that it's going to instill a passion for taking care and stewardship. They love to hunt and fish. So they'll learn that you don't shoot out the whole covey. They'll learn, you know, go catch a hundred fish. And they'll learn those principles that they can pass on to their friends. And, you know, it's just teaching kind of how to take care of things and just respectful and smart use. I think that's the big reason. And, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about dominion. And we hear that a lot, especially in our families, I'm sure. And it's like it's not, it's a responsibility that's been handed to us. And we just need to take care of it. And to me, that's conservation. And I just got sucked into it early and you know it's just what we do every day yeah and i think even if you're not a biologist or you don't work in some sort of related wildlife field conservation is still important um it's important for all the public to know because as part of the and we'll talk about the north american model of conservation is wildlife's held in public trust for all use and people if they don't respect wildlife and understand it understand the role of the environment the ecosystem in our world then they're less likely to be willing to protect it and to serve it and to improve it. I think that's one of our our roles is to improve and leave things better than than where we left them. 
uh, for the next generations and make sure it's there for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it, too, is that a lot of people think that, you know, the state agency is going to take care of it. And I know we're going to talk about the model in a minute, but there's not enough land owned by state agencies to protect what we need. So the responsibility is in the private landowner. And, you know, down here in southeast United States, on average, all of the states down here, 80% or more are privately owned. So it's in the hands of the citizens and in private landowners. Right. And I guess you know, before we go any further down the road on that, I'll kind of go through really quick the, the North American model of conservation, which was kind of formalized in 2001, kind of a, a roadmap for a lot of conservationists. And it was things that were already in place prior to it being kind of put into a document. When I went through school, it was not there. But right. old. We're not going to talk about how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, what they call the seven pillars of conservation underneath that. And a lot of them are basically, or the first three basically, are very similar. Public trust doctrine, which the government has responsibility to hold nature in trust for all citizens. Uh, democratic rule of law, wildlife is allocated for use by citizens through laws. Opportunity for laws that all have fair and equitable opportunity in and all of this came about, you know, well before 2001, um, you know, right after the founding of the U.S., I'm sure, because in England and over in Europe, wildlife was owned by the, the aristocracy, the ruling class people. Yeah. And the commoners didn't have use, legal use of that. And so that was changed in the U.S. as everyone is, has ownership in wildlife. And as we were talking about with the <laughs> states being mostly privately owned, that doesn't mean that the private landowners own the wildlife. Right. Yep. And I think a lot of people forget that or have never learned it because I just had a conversation last week with someone that wants to move wildlife from one of their properties to another. And they didn't even realize that you can't do that in the conversation of why amongst a number of things like diseases and just things like that it doesn't show. It isn't really shown the work, but that the state is charged over wildlife, and that's why there are laws and bag limits and things like that. And I don't think people really realize that that is extended onto private lands. Yeah, that, that, that equitable use is not you know specifically for one person or more for one than for the other, and so more for the landowners than those who don't own land. It's supposed to be fairly equitable, and, and it doesn't right. always wind up that way. I understand that, but uh, or at least doesn't seem that way. But that is the goal. Another part of uh, the American model is legitimate use. So that was established based off the Lacey Act in 1900 to eliminate markets for animal parks to, provide, to um, provide for appropriate use of food, fur, harvesting or euthanizing animals for self-defense or property protection. Those were legitimate use. No more feather hats. That's right. No more yep. selling no passenger pigeons, harvesting thousands of buffalo to make a profit. And that's where a lot of that came about. Was tragedy of commons. Everybody thought that these species would always be there and they would never run out. And I think there's still some people who have that mentality. For sure. Yep. Uh, especially on public land. Mm -hmm. I think that's why the public needs to understand what conservation is and what their role is. That's right. And even, you know, people who have hunting leases need to handle that responsibly too, because too often we talk to landowners sometimes that We'll say, I don't, I don't know where the deer have gone. You know, the hunting lease has decided declined this year. What's going on? It's like, well, if you haven't managed it 
appropriately and if they had a if it's brown it's down mentality and they had everybody out there you've depleted your resource right you know and, and you've probably impacted your neighbors that's right yeah so it's a balance and something that is worth us getting out there every day and talking about it and a lot of them don't understand too is through conservation it's not just the management of wildlife populations but it's their habitats yeah Again, going back to a difference between preservation and conservation. Preservation, you leave it alone. You don't touch it ever again, basically, and you're letting nature do whatever nature's going to do. But because of just the fact of man being here and all the things that we've changed, and we limit fire, and we've changed a lot of things. The, most of the plant communities are not going to be the same. Uh, we've removed a lot of the animal species that were should be there. So nature is not natural anymore. Right. And requires some sort of intervention to keep things in a state where most of a lot of these species need to survive. The another part of one of the seven pillars is science and wildlife policy. So a lot of research. Um, My favorite part. Yeah. Keeping except for the reg cycle side thing, keeping <laughs> regulations that gets a little controversial at times, but it's needed again because of legitimate use and people not just harvesting everything. Yeah, and you know, just to pick on that a little bit because it is my favorite part. You know, we get a lot of heat from people asking why numbers of animals aren't high, not higher, or why bag limits are set the way they are, or why we're messing around with the dates, state agencies messing around with the dates. And it's important to know that as we study more and learn more, things are going to change and the science is going to improve, hopefully, and we'll learn more and we need to adapt. So that's the important part of what we do daily is to take information that we're collecting and interpreting and then applying it to what we do every day. And that requires some patience from the public. You know, we might need to stop something for a couple of years because we've realized, oh man, we might have overshot this. Our bag limits are way too high. We're getting into trouble here. And I mean, it, it could be a storm year right? where you just have to... Or I a mean, drought year. Yep, a drought year that you just got to shut stuff down to make sure you don't completely deplete whatever yeah. you're concerned with. And, exactly. and I think some people think that we know exactly how many of whatever animals yeah. is on the landscape, and so we should be able to manage it exactly. And for most species, it's just a shot in the dark when population is. You do your best guess. There's a lot of science and modeling and all this kind of stuff that goes into it. So we have a pretty good idea, but sometimes that's wrong, and you find it out a little too late. And sometimes policy... The politics side of things get into play where it slows a response down. Yeah, you know, sometimes biologists, conservation get a bad rap because of somebody's not happy because their hunting season was changed or another. But there is a good reason for it. The last pillar is uh, international wildlife migratory resources. So uh, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act is where that comes from. A lot of our species, dove, ducks, uh, that migrate Canada, U.S., Mexico. So all countries working together so that one country is not just depleting the resources for these species or over-harvesting them because it impacts all the other. And again, uh, one of the things I like about this model and the public trust side of it is that puts that burden responsibility on everyone. So we're all responsible for wildlife and our conservation. So we all have to be considerate and that we're impacting other people. We're impacting all species, whether you're on public or private land. It's You don't truly own it. Another thing we were talking about was um, how people's conservation ideas vary oh, depending yeah. on your background. That's right. 
but not all the ideas on conservation are right or wrong. Depends on the situation, what your background is, where you're at at the time, what the species is. Yeah, and that's that's why it's more it's really important to get out there and educate as many age levels as we can. So to kind of fill them in, it it'd be nice if we had like a state of conservation every year that everybody had to kind of tune into and we could educate them. And I know schools around here are doing a great job getting it into different age groups, but you know the adults are really where it continues. And you see it when we work with school kids, you bring the snake out. And teacher or parent flips out. Now that kid <laughs> who was running to the snake, which could be good or bad, <laughs> depending on the situation. But the kid was super excited about whatever animal you have out. But then they saw that reaction from the adult and immediately they stopped. And they've not been able to make their own opinion about it. And I don't think we realize how much we influence uh, people around us and kids when we act that way sometimes and you know it does it sets us back but we gotta keep getting out there because it's not something that's included in a lot of schools and certainly not in college anymore and in the million ways to make money we don't always think about how our actions are impacting our environment and you know with with google university out there now yep, um, dr googles that's right we there's a lot of conflicting information Again, it doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. It just might not be right for your area or your situation. So we see, like being in the South, timber harvest, cutting trees is a very controversial activity, especially depending on where you are. But here in the South, that's sustainable timber. That's mm -hmm. a, a sustainable resource. And it's basically it's, another crop. Right, it is. And yep. our growing seasons are long enough that we can replenish timber really quickly and it grows so fast that if we do not manage it, we lose habitat for some species. Mm -hmm. So it is Or it a, becomes a tinderbox like what the West is seeing. Right. Yep. So our management strategies for timber may be different than up north and are. The frequency of fire is another thing that comes into play. Talking about all the fires in the tinderbox out west. That's right. We have a naturally a one, two year burn cycle across the landscape was what was here before man came in. We've altered that. They've altered that at West. They didn't have quite as high a frequency of burn rate as what we did, but uh, they definitely have more than a 50 year burn cycle out in those areas and they're now paying for it. And even within species. So we hear people all the time, you know, wanting to manage their deer population or their deer habitat by doing hinge cutting and providing cover. We need to leave, make more cover for our deer, but they're reading stuff that's coming out of you know, the north, out of Pennsylvania, where they get snook. They're looking at winter cover and providing those resources, but we don't have to deal with that down here as much. So normally cover is not a limiting factor in the south right. because of our growing season. But if you were in Pennsylvania, those, those are great resources. And take that into consideration when you're looking at any educational information on managing for, for wildlife and, and habitat. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to professionals that do this. You right. know, that's why we do what we do is to be a resource to people, and you don't have to interpret it on your own. You know, we can help out with that, and there's a lot of people out there, or maybe we give you resources that you can further interpret it yourself, but and give you a better direction to go. And when you are talking to professionals, know what your management goals are, because the interpretation, I guess, of conservation methods, habitat management methods, are going to vary depending on what your goals are and what the background of the person you're talking to are. So if you're managing for quail and it's a, you're a big plantation, a lot of resources, your management 
is going to be a lot different than somebody who just wanted to maybe hear quail on their property again, you know, small acreage, lower resources, or a public property. Uh, all of those are going to have different management strategies, but we're all going to be getting quail back on the landscape just in a different way and at different mm -hmm. levels. To have timber harvest the same way, whether you're a commercial timber, you're the logger you're talking to or the tim uh, forester that you're talking to has a commercial background and they're looking at it from a revenue standpoint or they're yep. looking at it from a wildlife standpoint. So you may get two versions of it depending on what the management strategy is, I guess. Right. It's all about landowner objectives at the end of the day. Right. And all we can do is hope that we've educated them and convinced them to take a few out for wildlife and consider wildlife and ecosystems and how they rotate and how they do things. So to wrap everything up and kind of bring it full circle, we were talking about what conservation is, trying to define that and why it's important to everyone. So that is the basis of where we'll be going with this podcast. We'll go a little more into depth uh, and some other topics in future podcasts. I'll do some fun things as well. But wanted to make sure that everyone kind of has an understanding that conservation is not just for biologists. It's a responsibility of all the public in some way or another. And we all have to have responsible use and you're not entitled to overuse or specific use of wildlife as well. I think the best way to wrap this up is with an Aldo Leopold quote. We abuse land because we see it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. So I think that's a good one that's that kind of wraps up our conservation well said discussion lecture that's right. whatever this was <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, appreciate you joining us and hope that you will join us again on another episode yep and find us on facebook make sure you're spelling it right we think we're clever and it's wildlife her so w-i-l-d-l-i-f-e-h-e-r uh, ask us questions reach out if you have any yeah and we'll see you again next time Thank you.